there, folks. Welcome to another episode of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. My name is Stephen Craig. I'm the host and author of Truth in a Thousand Words or Less, and we are happy to have you here this week. You know, it's funny, I got a comment from a friend of mine, I'm sure is listening right now, uh, who told me that uh, they were listening to Rage Against the Machine. Heard the song Testify come up and uh, and was surprised not to hear my voice after it. So um, <laughs> that's a good sign that the podcast is doing well. Uh, so glad you could join us, folks. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, yeah, it's a great week. Uh, it's a great week. Um, the This week we're going to be doing uh, back-to-back, uh, or at least I'm going to be doing actually two podcasts and one. Uh, you get the... You folks are the beneficiaries of that. Uh, and the reason being is that uh, I don't usually – it's interesting. In, um, I love sports. I, I, I My girlfriend will tell you I watch probably too much sports, um, especially for her liking. And especially football. This time of year uh, must be miserable uh, living in this household. But um, the fact is is that uh, I, I don't usually write about it in, in truth in a thousand words or less just because, you know, uh, sports isn't – uh, usually this stuff for social commentary. Uh, and yet over the fat past several weeks, I've actually, um, we're going back to back to back, actually. Um, if you listened to last week's podcast, I talked about football and the, uh, the sort of uh, moral conundrum I find myself in the fact that I love to watch football, but I also know that it's, <laughs> it is a- absolutely horrible in some regards. Uh, in terms of its uh, impact to the lives of many. Uh, and then in the next, uh, as you'll hear this week, um, two topics that I thought were really particularly pertinent, not just in the realm of sports, um, but in the realm of society. And I think that that's why, where um, where I generally try to take this column, to where I try to take truth in a thousand words or less, is that I, I am looking for insightful ways to comment on society as it currently stands and life as it currently stands and in both these cases i found uh sports to have a uh, to have a meaningful inroads to larger conversations and when that happens i love writing about sports um i'm not going to sit here and write about why i think the buffalo bills are going to win the super bowl this year which i do even though they lost the dolphins this week uh i i, I that's not that's not my uh where where I want to take this, nor is it my strength as a writer, um, but rather uh, when the when the worlds of um, sports and society as a general whole intertwine, that's where I find uh, the most value and the most interest. And this, um, as I said, uh, you hopefully you listened to last week's column about football in general. This week I, I'm going to be right talking about uh, Brett Favre specifically. Um, if you haven't heard about Brett Favre, you, you're about to. Uh, Brett Favre, of course, <clears throat> um, was uh, a heck of a football player for many years for the Green Bay Packers um, and a hero to many. Um, but as we've seen in his uh, personal life, even during his playing days, but uh, more specifically now where he is part of a um, scandal uh, where he has uh, – and I don't normally say it so definitively without um, some sort of uh, definitive conclusion, um, but there are text messages where Brett Favre was was definitively part of a, a scam to steal five million dollars um, from the 
from welfare recipients in Mississippi uh, and get it diverted to building a, to building a volleyball court um, where at University of Southern Mississippi where he went to college and where his daughter is now a volleyball player. So um, how do we reconcile that, right? Like our sports heroes um, and their oftentimes um, absolutely deplorable behavior off the field. So how do we reconcile rooting for somebody um, while at the same time knowing they're a shitty human being? And then um, I thought, uh, as I had just gotten done penning that column, uh, when Aaron Judge had hit uh, his 60th home run, uh, by the time you hear this, he might have hit number 61 uh, and potentially number 62, which would be um, really incredible uh, feats. Uh, I'll talk about that in the column. But um, those balls, uh, the ball that he hit, which was number 60, was uh, valued at quite a bit. Um, and the ball 61 and 62 will be worth even more. And um, and the ball number 60 the the kid gave it back to him the kid gave it back to Aaron Judge and when the balls go into the into the stands they are they belong to whoever catches them so uh there's a lot of be a lot of money to be made there and um I thought it was a really interesting commentary uh to see a young man give that ball back so with that in mind um let's get let's get right into it uh this is uh you know, we won't be back here next Thursday because uh, you're actually getting next week's column, the one on Aaron Judge, in advance. So uh, this is sort of two a two for one uh, for those of you who want to listen. Uh, I thought uh, I'd wrap them up into one neat package. And so the first of these columns is the one on Brett Favre. This one is called "When Your Turn Heroes Turn Out to Be Assholes." I love sports as much as the next guy, but I don't remember the last time I wrote about sports two weeks in a row, in truth, in a thousand words or less. But then Brett Favre had to go and be the ultimate douche that he really is, and I realized that he had to be the subject of this week's column. Turns out Brett Favre was part of a scheme that channeled $5 million intended for Mississippi welfare recipients to build a volleyball court at the University of Mississippi, where, wait for it, Favre went to college, and where, oh, this part is even better, his daughter had just started playing college volleyball. I had always liked Favre as a player, found his cavalier, go-for-broke boyishness to be endearing. But then he had to go stealing from state welfare funds to build a volleyball stadium for his daughter. Sometimes your sports heroes fail to live up to who you want them to be. Sometimes they just turn out to be assholes. And in Favre's case, he definitely turned out to be the latter. I might have been concerned about writing something so declarative as the previous paragraph without a judicial verdict of some sort attesting to Favre's guilt, but this nincompoop actually sent text messages that read, If you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? (coughs) Um, yeah, Brett, there is. It's called a text message and they stay as a record on your phone even after you have deleted them. You know, like the one you're sending right now. (laughs) Seems our boy Brett is just as stupid as he is corrupt. You'd think he would have learned to be a bit more careful with his texting, what with his 2008 scandal where he allegedly sent dick pics to an unsuspecting game day hostess working for the Jets. 
which does make you wonder, which is worse, getting dick pics from Brett Favre or working for the New York Jets? Yeah, it might be working for the Jets. I don't know. As a quick aside here, let me just take a moment to give you all young men out there a little Craigers PSA. Do not send dick pics to women unless explicitly requested to do so. Women do not want pictures of penises they are not currently sleeping with. And while I know you don't want to believe this, seeing your penis, whatever size or shape it may be, is not going to entice them into sleeping with you. But let's get back to the point at hand. Brett Favre is, well, a dick. So what are we to do when the person we root for on Sundays turns to be an absolute jerk every other day of the week? How does one reconcile their sports fandom with a moral code that makes one feel queasy? The fact is that you don't. In case I haven't told you, my son is a huge Packers fan. He's far too young to remember Favre in a Packers uniform, but he's had a poster of Aaron Rodgers in his room since he was eight. And while Rodgers has never sent dick pics or stolen money from welfare recipients that we know of, he is hardly a likable guy. Dismissive and abrasive in interviews, even when his team wins, Rodgers lacks the humility or charisma that would render him even mildly enjoyable. But then 2021 rolled around and Rodgers deliberately misled the media about his vaccination status and put his teammates and other NFL personnel at risk. And so about a month ago, my son saw him giving an interview with his new haircut that makes him look like some form of anime reject going through a personal identity crisis and turned to me and said, I don't know if I can root for him anymore. He's an amazing quarterback, but he's just not a good person. Because in the end, the ability to throw a football and being a decent human being do not necessarily go hand in hand. This is not to suggest that they are mutually exclusive either. It is certainly possible to be both a good quarterback and a good human being, but the fact is that there really is no correlation between the two whatsoever. Which brings us to the question of why we root for particular sports teams in the first place. The fact is that most of us just just end up cheering for the sports team from our local geographical area. I grew up in Connecticut, which is why I love the Red Sox. And if you grew up somewhere near Cleveland, well, you have either endured years of hardship as a Browns fan or voluntarily submitted to the witness relocation program so that you could start your life over and select another team without anyone ever knowing. It's not like we can seriously suggest that people from one area of the country are morally superior to any other. Well, except perhaps for Detroit. Those people just plain suck. Coaches often tell their players to play for the name on the front of the jersey rather than the one on the back, that sports is about the team, not the individual. In some ways, so is fandom. We root for the team to do well, not an individual. Yes, the individual who throws our touchdowns or scores our goals may be a jerk, but we are not tacitly supporting who they are as a person, but in how their athletic accomplishments contribute to the larger team goals of wins over losses. Separating the two allows us to like the performance without liking the individual athlete. But it is also this very reason that athletes should not be our kids' role models in the first place. As we suggested earlier, being able to hurl a football 60 yards or dunk a basketball 
has no correlation whatsoever with being a good human being, so make sure your kids can delineate the difference between the two. Teach them to be more discerning in the values they aspire to. Get them to see that the real heroes are the teachers who stay after school to help their kids with homework, the nurses who work long shifts to care for others, and parents who take time to throw the football with their kids in the backyard. And then maybe, just maybe, they won't grow up to send dick pics to strangers or steal welfare money from the state. Well, folks, uh, that was the first of our two, uh, the first of our two columns this week. Um, let's uh, let's move right on to the second. This one a little bit more. Um, yeah, there's a little bit more, a little bit more positivity to this one. It's about uh, it's about Aaron Judge, and usually, usually I I must admit I hate the New York Yankees, um, but this one's got a positive ring to it. It's called uh, "What's It Worth to You." I must acknowledge here and now that I did not see this coming. I probably don't write about sports columns. Uh, probably what? Uh, I, I don't probably don't write three sports columns a year in truth in a thousand words or less, let alone three in a row. But this week we'll do just that. But sports are all about rate, breaking records, so let's go for it. After all, as I sit down to write this piece on September 22nd, 2022, Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees is poised to do something that has only been done a few times before. Just this past week, Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run of the season. For those of my readers who do not know baseball, that's a lot. Like, really a lot. In fact, only five other players have ever hit 60 home runs in a season. Babe Ruth, Roger Maris, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds. Until the 1961, that list only included Babe Ruth with 60, when Roger Maris hit 61 home runs and controversially broke the Babe's record in the first year the season was expanded from 154 to 162 games. Maris's record stood for 37 years, when the steroids era would usher in a home runs arm race that fueled the game itself, but itself was fueled on banned substances and false pretenses. Home run records were shattered faster than an Adam Levine marriage, leaving many to wonder if these substance-enhanced accomplishments should count when it came time for the records book. So for many baseball purists, Maris's 61 is still the true record, and Judge stands on the verge of breaking it. And hey, we all know chicks love the long ball. Sorry, that's a reference to a like a what 1990s era <laughs> baseball advertisement propaganda. Uh, so you know, sorry if that those of you who are <laughs> that is well before your time. But do you know who else loves home run records? Baseball fans. Just the other night, when Judge hit his 60th to match the mighty Ruth and bring himself within one home run of Maris, the ball was caught by Michael Kessler a 20-year-old college student who plays outfield for the City College in New York. Estimates had the ball valued at anywhere between $150,000 and $500,000 for a baseball. But Kessler gave the ball to Judge in exchange for a clubhouse meet-and-greet with Judge, four autographed baseballs for him and his buddies that went with him to the game, and a signed game bat, not the one Judge used to hit the homer which left many commentators openly wondering, man, this kid got screwed. 
Clearly, this story illustrates a telling sociological divide in how each of us perceives the moral and pragmatic implications of this decision. A lesson on modern-day American economic realities that will be delivered once again should Judge hit his 61st and 62nd home runs of the year. Previous case law has clearly set the precedent that, in the eyes of the law, the ball, once hit into the stands, becomes the property of the immediate possessor and that they may do with it what they will, including selling it for their own financial gain. But Kessler has suggested in subsequent interviews that he felt the ball belonged to Judge, that it was his accomplishment. Certainly, the world needs more Michael Kesslers in it, people who think of others before themselves and don't rush to immediate self-interest. But there's another side to all this that suggests he could perhaps have done more. Many folks have come out and said that he should have returned to the Yankees officials who approached him as soon as he had his hands on the ball and told them that they could talk to his attorneys first thing in the morning, along with any other would-be buyers, to begin the bidding war on the ball. The Yankees and Judge could have it, if they really wanted it and were the highest bidders. After all, Judge can certainly afford it. Judge is making just over $10 million this year and recently turned down a seven-year, $213 million contract in hopes of signing a much more lucrative deal in free agency. Shoot, Judge could buy the ball with a single game check. Meanwhile, Kessler could use that money to pay the rest of his way through college, put a down payment on a house, you know, the type of stuff Aaron Judge will never have to worry about. What's funny is that if you go back to the story of Maris's record-breaking home run ball in 1961, it actually sheds an interesting light on today. That ball was caught by Sal Durante, a broke 19-year-old kid whose girlfriend, Rosie, actually bought him the tickets for the now-legendary game on a loan for their double date that particular evening. Even though the ball was worth $5,000 at the time, approximately fifty k in 2022 dollars, Durante offered the ball to Maris. But instead, Maris told him, Keep it, kid. Put it up for auction. Someday, somebody will pay you a lot of money for the ball. He'll keep it for a couple of days and then give it to me. And that's exactly what happened. Maris got the ball and Durante got $5,000. The ball is now enshrined in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. With 14 games left on the schedule... Judge is almost certain to break the record. And here is what I would say to whoever catches it. Sell it. Sure, sell it to Judge if he wants to pony up the cash for it, but sell it to some rich fuck who has enough money but not enough brains to pay you six or seven figures for a stupid baseball. Then take that money and donate every last dime of it to whatever charity you choose. Okay. Maybe you pay off your own loans first, maybe even take your partner to dinner, but then give it all away. Because the value of that ball, what made it worth tens of worth thousands of times more than just any other baseball, had nothing to do with you. But the ability to use that value to make the world a better place by taking money from someone who clearly doesn't need it and giving it to folks who really do always was. All right, folks, that is this week's and next week's, for that matter, Truth in a Thousand Words or Less. We are uh, so glad that you could join us. You know what time it is. 
Time for my bud. Come on, give it to us, Johnny. Yeehaw! It's a, it's a Leonard Skinner tune, if you didn't know, by the way. It's John Mayer covering Leonard Skinner. It's, it's pretty fucking awesome, if you ask me. In any case, my name is Stephen Craig. I am the truth. I'm the host and author of 3,000 Words or Less. And my words are not coming easily today. Uh, in any case, we'll, well, we'll see you two weeks from now. Uh, normally, we uh, the podcast comes out every uh, every Thursday, but uh, we won't be back next Thursday. You've got two of them uh, this week. Um, but we will be back two weeks from now uh, with another 3,000 Words or Less. I am so grateful uh, for each and every one of you. Uh, until then, well, you know, peace out, y'all. Change.